podcast where we keep you in the know of everything real estate. So, I'm Noelle Fryson. I'm the director at the Center for Real Estate Education. And we have our panel of experts. First, we have Nima Mary, who is a lawyer, a rock star deal maker, and the partner at a Mary Law Firm. We have Eric Anderson, who is the CEO of Alexander Anderson Real Estate Group. And last but definitely not least, we have Omar Sharif, the VP of the Alexander Anderson Capital Group. Today we're going to be talking about investment properties. Everyone wants to know how can I build a portfolio? How can I, you know, make money? Uh, investing in different properties, how can I use other people's money to invest in properties? We're going to go all through that, okay? Are you have your you have your COVID gear on? I, I convert it to the light version. <laughs> this is my, my heavy duty. This is my light. All right, but before we start on investment properties, how are you guys? Awesome. New year, new start, new you, new career, new life. Good. Out with the old. In with the new. In with the new. Try to figure out how to make more money this year than last year. Yeah. So I want yeah. to start off the new year with affirmations. I want one word. One word. And you guys at home can give me one word as well on your board, on the chat. But I want one word that signifies what you expect 2022 to be for you. Go. No. No. Well, one word is really hard, right? And I have to explain it. Explain. No. So to tell more people, no, mm -hmm. I spend a ton of my time, right? People mm -hmm. helping people doing things for other people that I waste my own time. Right. And listen, I love you all, but I decided that this year I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to say no to people and I'm going to use my time, which is a commodity, right? Everyone only gets 24 hours a day. That's the one consistent in this world. Right? That's where everyone is on the same playing field. So I don't want to hear, no, I have it different. Everyone has 24 hours a day. You figure out how many of those hours you're going to use to be productive and what you're going to use them on. This year, I'm going to use more of that time to be productive on things that benefit me as opposed to deal making for other people, which I spend a lot of time doing. So this is a year of no, where I tell yeah. people no, and that's it. So, so does that mean you're going to answer my phone call faster? What is it? The year no. of? <laughs> So, mind you, Eric is one of the few phone calls I almost always answer or respond to with a text message. Because I know he would do the same thing for me. So, if, they're gonna do, if people do it for you, you have to always be willing to do it for them. Thank you. You're welcome. Eric, what's your word? Uh, my word is um, mask. <laughs> my word is, and I've been toying with the, which word, my word is limits. Mm. So. Again, I need to explain that, but setting limitations to what I'm gonna get involved in because there's only, as Nima just said, 24 hours a day and trying to pick the things that A, I'll be able to be the most productive with, um, B, that will garner the most success, and then C, making sure that those two also fit with the third one, which is what do I wanna do? What do I enjoy doing? So limits, making sure they fit into those three categories, and then um, moving forward in that direction. Nice. Thank you. I would say my word is uh, growth. Because um, most days, there's so many things going on that we feel overwhelmed and we get bogged down by them. And it just helps to remember that the purpose of getting through all this stuff is to grow. And uh, you know, you get bogged down sometimes, but it's okay as long as it pushes you forward. But I will say though, Nima, the word no, that's probably my New Year's word five years ago. Did it work? Did it work? Eric, does it work? No. <laughs> no, because... Um, in it order depends to, who's asking him. That's true. So in order to get things done, I fully agree you have to say no, and you can't take on too many things at, at one time. So I'm with it. No, look, I mean, the reality of this, right, if you all think about it, and I guarantee you, it doesn't matter where you are in life. Whether you're taking a class to be uh, an agent, whether you are watching this podcast from home and you're starting a new business endeavor, wherever you are, whether you have $100 in your bank account or you got $100 million in your bank account, right? If you really think back to all the times where you do things for other people, and I'm not saying don't, you should always, like whatever you, 
give you get back. I'm a full believer of karma, right? But if you think about all of that time, a lot of you actually will realize that you may even be doing that to procrastinate because you get a feel good feeling about helping someone else and you're procrastinating doing things for yourself or what you need to be doing. And then in return, it's your way of justifying not getting your own work done. And you may realize that the moment you stop doing it, people may start saying, oh, he's changed, she's changed, they've changed, they're an asshole now, blah, 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 blah. Listen, who cares what other people think? As long as at the end of the day, you're done with what you need to do for you and you're content with your day's productivity and you got that little bit of energy left over, then go back and help. And remember, the best thing you could honestly do is do what's best for you and then with that extra money you've made because now you're prioritizing yourself in life, donate. Use those money to give to other organizations and that's how you can give back. You've but thought a lot about this. I have. I you have, have really. I have. I have. You really I have. have. I, I always kind of think about it a lot, but I think more recently I've, I've just had this revelation where I just don't care anymore, right? I'm always out there helping other people. And, you know, my wife even made a comment about, I just don't care. If, if it's, mm. it's a situation now where I feel like I'm getting played or someone is not appreciative of the work I do, whatever, who cares? You're my new guru now. Yeah. <laughs> I need to not care. People can family. hate on you. People can dislike you. People yeah. can say you're an asshole. But at the end of the day, who cares? Who cares? Wow. Right? What's in your bank account? What are you doing for the day? What's your productivity? And how do you feel about yourself at the end of the day? That extra 30 minutes of hearing someone else complain about their problems and absorb that negative energy that they have to give, mm. end call, get on the treadmill, even if you walk for 30 minutes, and get rid of your own negative energy. Ah, Leave that positivity says inside. preach. <laughs> you are a minister of the It's the, the reality day. of <clears throat> everyone is so concerned about other people's opinions. Now look, it's easy for us who have made it to turn around and say whatever, right? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we, when you don't rely on other people, it's fine. But you should still work with other people. But at the end of the day, just don't forget about yourself. This is a new year. This is going to be a crazy year because we're hitting another surge in Omicron. The market is, nobody knows, is it up, is it down? Nobody knows whether the feds will raise the rates. Guys, us, we are real estate professionals in almost every industry, and we have no idea what's going to happen in the next no 12 months. No one So we're sitting here with our opinions, and we're trying to, we're, we're now mapping the West, because our country, our economy, the real estate market has never experienced a perfect storm. Of we're going to get you a pulpit soon. What's that? We're going to get you a pulpit where the minister stands. Oh, the, then, the, yeah, the then, 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 then the we're going to pass out a basket. You're all going to donate and I'm going to buy a private jet. Well, and, wait, I want to give my word. My word, even though I might, I might switch it to no, you've, you've, made a, you've made a believer out of me, but my word is impact. I want to have an impact in every part of my life. I want to make sure that I'm being impactful in every part of my life. Because sometimes I look back on things and I'm like, oh, I was a bystander in that. I want to make sure that I'm no longer a third party looking in and that I'm making an impact. Oh, so, you're always making an impact aw, in our lives. Thank That's you. Great. Thank you. Okay, but we're really here to talk about real estate, right? Okay, we're talking about investments. And, it, and an investment can make an impact. Well, it can. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. And you have to know that. how to say no. Do you? To the wrong investment. The bad deals. And you have to say yes to the right investment, which is going to help you grow. Yeah. Well, and you have you to limit yourself to one at a time, so you don't get overwhelmed. How is that? You have to limit your. That's why you use all of your words. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, Eric always has a million balls in the sky. So I think that's a good word. Women. Yes. The more balls that you juggle, the more fun life is. Oh, the more they drop too. Yeah. But I never drop any balls. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what are the different types I'm so of glad I'm wearing a mask right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are the different types of investment properties, guys? Two. What? The okay. good and the bad. Well, no, explain, because not every see how does one identify what a good property investment is? We're gonna talk about that. First though, first I want you guys to sort of put it out there so people understand what is getting into investment properties. What is it? Where do I start? I'm totally, I have no idea. You guys tell me, you guys tell the world. So I'll start. So in real estate, it's short-term and long-term. And most people in the short-term are familiar with flipping houses. That's your short-term buy, fix, and sell. Long-term is more buy and hold, your rental properties. And those are the two main ways of investing in real estate. Flip, short-term, buy and hold, long-term for cash flow. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Eric, what's your thoughts? 
Uh, I think that it all depends on how much money you have to start with. Mm. So first you need to understand what an investment property is and then you need to map, up what, map out what your goals are for that investment property. So do you want to be able to lay at the beach all summer and make money and not have to work? Yes. Um, that's one goal. Do you want to generate income so you can buy more rental properties? Like what, where is your direction? What's your goal? Um, and then once you figure that out, that leads you to the type of product that you buy. If you have a bigger picture, but you can't get there yet because you don't have the right training or the right tools, you start smaller, but then you know that you're maybe buying that investment property and it's a short term hold for you. It's something that you're going to buy a three family, you're going to change out the tenants, you're going to fix it up, you're going to make it better, you're going to make cash flow. Then you're going to sell it and take that chunk of money and then buy two properties instead of one property. So there's, there's different options. So what I'm hearing is that you, that we're talking rental properties. What else are we talking for investments? Well, we're talking real estate. Just real estate. It could be land. It could be a house. It could be. So, re so specifically for a novice person, I think rental right. properties is the easiest way to go. But you could start with something like uh, if you had a 10 acres of land, you could go subdivide that land and sell it to a builder who's going to have now 10 plots to build houses on. After you guys have taken, put in the money, run the septics, mm -hmm. run the sewage, run yeah. the electric. So guys, that this question is such a loaded question, right? What's an investment? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? It's okay. So, the so should we be talking right now about rental properties? I think, we, I think we should just gross it out first yeah. and maybe okay. see what people saw to us. So look, guys, an investment, is any vessel that you put your money into that will either appreciate over time and give you a return immediately based off of what you've put in, right? So that's what an investment is. Whether you're buying a watch, a house, now a car, it, that's a definition of an investment. The real question here is, what type of investor do you want to be? Because everyone wants to make investments. Now, if we're narrowed down to real estate, the same definition applies. Do you want to be an investor that builds wealth or do you want to be an investor that makes money if you want to build wealth and you want to build equity over time and service your debt and get an initial lower return on your money there's a way of investing if you want to live off of investing and you want to have a glamorous lifestyle and you want to make money within a short period of time well then you're talking about a short-term investment so there's the real question is what do you want out of it right if you're trying to live off of it you're going to be fixing and flipping. And to Derek's point, Derek, you wrote in here, you heard it's not easy. I'm willing, I don't know the statistic on this. I will bet on the show right now, I will bet 500 bucks, right? <laughs> that five out of 10 investors, six out of, maybe even seven, seven out of 10 investors will either lose money or break even on their first project. Guys, someone find me something that goes against that so I can win his $500. But no, well, I let's ask, let's, let's, let's ask Omar because you yeah. flipped like yeah. 40 houses. Your first three houses, did you make money or lose money? So that's a great point, Nima. And the first one, um, <laughs> great point. So the first one, I made money. Second one, I broke even. What um, about your third one? Third one and forward, everything went well. Ah. Some break evens, but for the most part, they went well. But to Nima's point, I met with my accountant last week and I asked him the same question. Out of all the clients you have who flip houses, do they make money? Because I teach a course on it and I'm just interested in knowing how people are doing. And he gave me a shrug. He said, no, not really. <laughs> so people aren't making money. No, from he said that houses. the people who make money are the general contractors who have partnerships in it. Key point over here. But the one who flips a house and delegates it to a contractor, they usually don't end up making money because they're not doing it right. So I, I personally have made money on every single real estate deal that I've been an owner in. Um, for an investment. I've made money on all of them. I think part of the question was short-term versus long-term or immediate. As Nima said, people sometimes want immediate returns. I may have gone into something and it didn't work out the way I planned it. So if I thought I was going to buy a rental property and I was going to get X dollars a month, maybe that didn't work. But then because of that strategy, I flipped my strategy and then ended up selling it. And then I made 30 or 40% of my money that way. So I always was able to turn a profit, but it didn't always go the direction that I expected. Yeah. So I'll give you guys a prime example right now, right? I own a property. Um, I bought it for 110,000. I'm in contract to sell it for $321,000. That's making money, 500. <laughs> this is not my first flip, right? 
Um, I've done at most 30 to 40 grand worth of work on it, okay. right? I'm debating today to kill the contract. Why? I could turn around and I could make 200 plus thousand bucks and I've probably been to the place five, six times at best. Uh -huh. And two of those times was to throw some oil in the tank because it's an oil tank and I didn't want the pipes to freeze, uh -huh. right? And there's an issue with the other side getting a commitment. Uh, you know, I've held it so long. At this point, I'm like, what's the point? Yeah, well, I have 200 grand now, but what does that mean? Take half away for capital gains tax. Yeah. What am I going to do with the other 100 grand with everything overpriced and inflated? W what does it mean to me? Or, or I could just turn around and say, I'll rent it out. Sure, what am I going to get a month? Maybe 2500 3000 then I have property taxes, maybe a little bit of a headache. But, but I could turn around, refi it, pull my capital back out, hold on to the property, let the rent pay it, I have my cash in my pocket, and let the rent pay off the mortgage. Or I could just still keep it debt free, I own it cat right, rent it, and I get my money trickling back in. Notice, but, notice what he said. He could refi it and pull his capital out. So he would, in essence, own the property for free and get a positive cash flow. Let's take a vote. I'm going to leave it actually to, to the audience. Okay. By the end of this, I will send an email either killing this transaction and going with plan B or keeping the transaction. Is that possible to do? So, okay, guys. So here's, here's what he's saying. At the end of the program, before we get off, you guys are going to vote on whether he should kill the deal, keep it, maybe rent it, refinance it, whatever he should do, or sell it. He has the option, he can either sell it, make 200 grand, or he can keep it and see what happens down the line. So just do, listen do to the- Do we get to vote too? Huh? Do we get to vote? Do you get to vote? Of course yeah. you get to vote. I mean, really, his vote is the one that counts no, again. No, I'm not voting. Okay. I, I, honestly, I'm 50-50. I will leave this to the audience to decide the fate <laughs> of this money. Right? Always something really exciting. All right, so hold on, let's recap it. You you have 110 into the deal, mm -hmm. plus the 30,000. Say say 40. All right, so you're in. Say 50. 50. Say 50. Right, so you're in at 150. Say 150 cash. Does that include your carrying costs? Yeah. Okay, so you're all in at 150. You have a contract at 310. 321. 321. So. But a $20,000, no, $27,000 credit for uh, septic. So it's really two ninety five. So two. So let's say so you're let's, let's money. simple it. So it's three hundred minus one fifty. So you have one hundred and fifty thousand dollar gain, mm -hmm. right? Of that gain, you're going to pay taxes if you sell it. Of how much? Forty percent. No comma. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be another lesson. But, but so he's going to pay. He's going to pay no taxes. That's just some the going rate. In, in uh, theory, so. I've held the property for over a year because it just honestly was just too far, and I just stopped caring about it, and I left it there for like six months. Mm -hmm. But so I've had it for over a year. So it's not short-term capital gains. Say thirty-five percent. Okay. So give me a number. Thirty-five percent of one fifty is what? 35% of 150? 35,000 plus 50, another 50. We do have a real estate 50. math class, guys. Yeah. That's 50,000. 50,000. 50, so now we have $100,000 profit, right? Mm -hmm. What can you rent the place for? Say 2750. Is it a okay. single family? Yes. Okay. What are your taxes? Uh, 12,000. 12,000. So Where 12, is it? Sussex, New Jersey. Um, so let's take 12. Yeah, what's 2750? <laughs> do you have any other expenses monthly? Uh, insurance. No. Okay. I so drive a guy out there once a month. Twenty-seven fifty. The taxes are twelve thousand. That's a thousand a month. Let's take fifteen. So let's say you're making fourteen hundred a month. Is that a fair estimate? So yeah. Okay. So what's fourteen hundred a month? If we take that hundred thousand dollars you're going to make, what's the what percentage is that? If you're making fourteen hundred a month uh, off a hundred thousand dollars, what's our eight percent? Off a hundred thousand, one hundred fifty. Because that's no, you're paying one hundred fifty. Oh, that's right. You're losing that. So, mm. right. So you're 150. You're making 1,400 a month. Yes. About yeah. nine percent. I would sell it. Mm. But that's me. I'd sell it. That's a, that's a nine percent. He's getting. He's making nine percent on his money. Where can yeah. you make nine percent? Um, do another flip. Okay. Do you have another flip? No. Okay. But do you have? Do you need this liquidity right now for anything else? You have You have money. You don't need this money. It's a watch I've really been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, you're nine percent in this market. No. All right. So now, if you refi it. Okay, and you pull out the 150, right? That'll reduce your your monthly income from 1,400 to zero. No, it won't be zero because if you take a 30 year or if you take a 25 year amortization, on, on a residential, right? It depends on how he does it, but so if you can get a residential loan and you've got a 30 year mortgage and you're you're taking 100,000 out at like five percent, right? What is that? 
Uh, sorry. Guys, we're going to get to all your questions, by the way, when Eric's on his calculation. Will, but, but so what, what was your question? This. So what's the, what's the mortgage going to cost you if you take so 150000 If you take 160 at 3.6%, let's say 750000 Okay. So if you take $160,000, which is 10000 more than you invested, you pay no taxes, you're, it's going to cost you seven fifty. so then you're still making $650 a month. So everybody got that? Yes. So you're making $650 a month, you got all your money out, and you could still still go do whatever you want. Whatever you want. So Whereas I if you sell it, keep it then. if or, you sell it, you would you would make just about another fifty thousand dollars more. Or or I could pull out more than one sixty because it appraises yeah. out at three twenty. Yeah. What if I pulled out two hundred fifty? Okay. You so then you're making out. money off your refi. And what's the mortgage on two fifty? Twelve hundred dollars a month. I'll tell you right now. About yeah. Okay, so say it's not going to be a residential loan because I bought it under an LLC. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, in theory, it's going to be an investor loan. So say it's five to five percent interest as opposed to yeah. two point five. Or that shoots it up so that now you're at thirteen fifty a month. Fine, right? My car payment's more than that. So mm -hmm. you're thirteen fifty a month. Just put that in context. You're okay. thirteen fifty a month. Mm -hmm. Most of you pay two hundred dollars a month for your cell phone. You're sure. thir you're thirteen fifty a month, right? The rent is say it's three thousand a month, right? It's very very conservative. So say it's three thousand a month. Say twenty eight hundred. So you're $1,350 a month for your mortgage, another $1,000 a month. You guys are losing me. Are they losing you with all of the numbers? You're losing me We're with all the numbers. We're analyzing the deal, trying I to figure out what I'm going to write it down. So your mortgage, right? And I'm going to put this on the screen. So yeah, Monique says yes, you're losing her too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so guys, me, my mortgage is $1,350 a month. Right. My insurance uh -huh. is, say, $60 a month. Okay. Say $100 a month. Okay. Okay. So my taxes are another $1,000 a month. Everything else becomes a tenant's responsibility, right? Because it's a one-family house. Right. So I'm going to hold this up for everybody. What is the total here? $2,450. Can anybody see that? So as long as you are renting it for $2,450, you're breaking even. Beyond breaking even. Beyond I've, breaking I've, even. I've doubled my money. You've doubled your money. Now remember, if I go get a mortgage, this is at a $250,000 mortgage, right? So I have $250,000 of liquidity in my pocket. Tax-free. And it costs me $0. Mm -hmm. Are you guys following me? And he still has a profit every month. Yeah, I could probably still, still make five, 600 bucks a month, which will leave me with what, five, $6,000 a year in profit for a free vacation for a day. Okay. But you also have to be able to get that mortgage. So not everybody potentially could be qualified to get that type of mortgage. So, interesting fact, mm -hmm. it's easier to get an investor mortgage with because you have a tenant, they know it's income producing, and they look yep. less to your actual income, and they look That's to the, the income deal. of the property. So it's easier, in my opinion, to get that mortgage as an investor. If it's under an LLC ownership, it is easier, yeah. Right? So, you have to understand the parameters for that. So so let's let's talk about let's say I do want it like I do want to get a rental property. Let's say I have not done this. I am not Nima, I'm not Eric, I'm not Omar. I've never done this before and I want to get a rental property. Where do I start? What do I do? These guys, where do they start? By calling these two. Okay, the, after they call these two, what are, what do they physically do? Right. I um, think, well, you wanna handle it? Go for it. Sure, I'll start. Okay. But, so I think there's different grades on your level of involvement. So if you have a full-time job and you can't commit time to real estate, you're what I would consider a retail investor, meaning that you won't have the time to find the golden deals that Nima just mentioned, this, that's, a, that's an amazing deal. And you won't find that sitting on the open market. So depending on oh, your yeah. level, yeah. You, you will never find that. You went right? looking for that. I had an agent who I had a good relationship with. They flip houses themselves. Um, their capital was just too tied up. It was a good deal and they gave me the opportunity. So you went for it. Sure, but I wasn't greedy. In return, you know, I gave her a finder's fee for it. She's a real estate agent. Okay. I, always take care of people who take care of you guys. Rule number Definitely. one, don't be cheap. Okay, so. Right, so he got a great deal that's off market and it's very unique. Now, if you're a retail investor, you work nine to five, you have some money saved, you wanna put it into real estate, you're looking at a whole different um, source, sourcing of deals. And if you go into retail deals, you'll have to put down 20% and take the traditional route. So your investment criteria will be different. You're looking to park your money on a good property that you can easily manage and chances are you won't get access to the deals that you just mentioned. If you have time and you can put in the legwork, make some connections, get the good deals, then go for the ones that are off market mm -hmm. and it'll be a whole separate uh, ROI. Just ask, just ask people, are you looking yeah. to sell your house? So guys, remember, 
the deals that sometimes we find is a decade of being in the game and relationships yeah. we built, yeah. right? It's, you know, it says, don't try this at home. It kind of goes there too. So I'm gonna answer a couple questions that now have passed by. Well, let's, let's, go, let's go back so everyone can answer. Um, let's go back and look at some of these. So people wanna know about your exit strategies, but your exit strategies are either sell or well, or to rent. This is the option here. You guys haven't voted yet, by the way. No well, no, no, no. We're not. We're not. We're not, we're not there yet. Right. Exit, exit strategy depends on what your goals are. If your goal is to buy one and you only have the capital to buy one, and um, you can't do this refinance like we're discussing, where you can pull out more capital by, to buy another one, then your exit strategy may be to sell it, because then you could go buy two, and then you could grow your portfolio that way. If you have the ability to do this refinance and your your goal is looking for long-term passive income, then you do the refinance, you keep the property, and then you use the proceeds from that refi to go buy another one. So what's a 1031 exchange? You guys should be learning about this in class, but what's a 1031 exchange? You want, you want me to do it? You want 1031 exchange, it's basically you buy a property, uh, you own a property, you want to sell it. It's like you're trading, it's like trading baseball cards. So you're taking this property and you're trading it for another property, um, and it avoids you having to pay taxes. Uh, it's it's relatively simple, but there are rules involved. You have to buy something within a certain amount of time. Um, you can't touch the money. So let's say you're selling something for a million dollars. You actually have to take sell it, take that million dollars, and you have to give it to a third party. And that third party holds your money. So that's a little freaky because it's not actually in your bank account, it's not in your hands. Part of the rules is that you're not allowed to touch that money. And then that money gets transferred to the new property that you're buying at that closing. So this is um, something you can't do with this, Nima, right? I could. Yeah, you could. You could? So but you don't have anything else. You said you didn't have another one. Yeah, so, so 1031 exchanges, you have, I think, I think it's 90 days or six months. Those are like the okay. two criteria. Once you close, you have to find what's called a 1035, 1031 exchange intermediary, right? Um, a lot of people don't recognize this. You have to put that money in this intermediary's bank account and it sits there as an escrow agent. Then within a period of finite time, you must identify the property which you intend to exchange on. Six months? Within six months. Then you have a limited time to close on it. If you miss any of these timetables, you lose the ability to 1031 exchange. If you identify a property and you do not purchase it, right, and the timetable lapses, you lose your opportunity and you're stuck paying tax on it. It's not that simple. And usually, um, it requires both parties to execute certain documents. So it's actually forty-five days to identify, okay. and then six, six months, months to, close. to close. Yeah. So, yeah. so and you can this, identify more than one. So you could identify three properties. So in case you could have backup properties. So if one doesn't go oh. through, you could. An ultimate loophole that people don't realize: uh -huh. renovation cost can go into that. So you okay. can identify a property less than the amount you have, really? and you can then fill the gap in with renovation costs. I did not so know that. Do each of you have an, have an LLC that you do your investments under, or do you do it under yourself? Never do it under yourself. Yeah. Never. So every flip that you did do you should Did you hear go. that, Amanda? Never. Yeah. So if, you, if you're doing a flip, you should put it under an LLC at all times. Ownership should be an LLC that you own along with whoever else is involved. Now you could have one LLC that you just reuse. Yeah. So you use it for property one, and then actually if you're going to do a 1031 exchange, it requires that you rebuy it in the name of that same entity that you own. Yeah. So okay. you could have, you know, start in 2022, you create an LLC, you then own this property, then you sell it, you buy another one, you just keep moving that LLC down the road. Where you would question the next step would be if you were going to buy 10 properties. Then in theory, to protect yourself, you would have a different LLC for each property. So how do you find the places? How do you know it's a good place to do to do it to get an investment? Like how did you how did you decide Sussex was okay? So I did it. Um, interesting story. Sorry, my fiance lives in Sussex County. So no, no, I'm that's okay. Like, oh, so Sussex. So look, I also at the same time I did a flip in Palisades Park, um, and I did another one in Bourbon County. I. I mean, a lot of people here will disagree with me. Mm -hmm. I think that the market up here has become so saturated mm. that you, if I'm making, if I have to, guys, when you do a flip, right? Everyone, you watch all these programs, make money with other people's money. No, it doesn't work like that. Because if other people are giving you money, they're gonna end up with a better end of it. If you're a smart investor, you're putting your own money in, so you're not paying high interest rates. But you always say differently. That's a good point. So what if you don't have your own money? Then put, uh, my opinion, and people have different opinions, my opinion, pull your money together with other people, join a fund that does it, 
and, and go that route. Because a lot of people are do flips, it's not their own money, and the only person guaranteed to walk away with 15, 16% at the end of that transaction is the hard money lender you went to. Unless you go yeah. to an institutional yeah. bank and then they're gonna whack you for early termination, all these I see them all the time now, right? Early term fees, early termination, early payoff penalties. So at the end of it, when you've paid out everyone else and you spent $100,000 of your money and you make 20 grand in one year. Right. First okay. of all, there's exceptions to all of this. They're giving you like the over overview. There's ways to do everything. Don't get discouraged if you don't fit into one of these bubbles right. or one of these solutions. Right. There are plenty of times that I know Omar has or I have been super creative, gotten money for much less of a percentage, convinced someone to trust us or convinced someone to try something different uh, or convinced the seller to finance you. There are so many ways and opportunities to, to do something. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a yeah. guys, I'm talking about so generic. How yeah. can I use other, so I only, you know, I'm, I'm at a job, I'm working, I'm getting paid every two weeks and I, it takes care of my bills. How can I then go out and find other people's money? I want your money. How do I get your so, money or, or your, how do I get Nima's money? How do I get don't. Eric's yeah. money? You're on my house with a gun. And even then I shoot first. Yeah. So how do I get other people's um, money? So the whole idea of OPM, other people's money, is if you have a deal. Remember OPP guys? OPM? Okay. Now you know me. <laughs> okay, I'm down. Just no. gave away our age, but yeah. <laughs> Um, if you have a deal that's good enough where you, where you have enough profit to share with other people, that's when you bring in OPM as long as you know how to get that deal closed. The whole idea of OPM is you may not have the financing to get the deal closed, but hey, Eric, do you have a hundred grand that you want to invest? Hell yeah. You do, of course. So what do you want in return? 8%. That's it? That's it. That's a great investor right there. So I got to go for it. Is 8% <laughs> normal? Is that what, what are you looking at? 8% is very competitive and you can make a lot of money if you can get financing at 8%. So it depends on the situation. If you have like a grandpa yeah. who has 500,000 in the bank, but he's conservative and he's getting what, what does the bank pay? 1%? What is the money market? 3%? Not even. Yeah. So he yeah. may look at it like, I want to do this for you. I want to help you out. And I'll be happy with five or 6% because he doesn't have the opportunity to make that. But or if you go to a shark like him, he's going to want 10%, mm. but it doesn't yeah, have to 12%, be 12%. It doesn't have to be, front. it doesn't have to be your uncle. Yeah. It could be yeah. your neighbor. It could be a friend. It could be a friend. Yeah. It could be How anybody. How do you approach people? I mean, I would be, I would feel weird going up and being like, Omar, so I want to ask you if you'll invest in me because maybe I don't, you know, this is my first flip. So why, why, how, how would you get someone so to do I that? Would, I would get a knowledge base. So I would go take yeah. classes. I would study, I would read, uh -huh. I would start the conversations. So I wouldn't just show up at, you know, the Christmas party and be like, Hey, who wants to lend me money? I would start talking about it six months in, six months yeah. in advance. Let everybody know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Let everybody know that I'm going to school for this and that I'm learning and I took this class and how exciting and show different examples. And then after you kind of set that stage for six months, then you can start. Uh -huh. And you know, Omar will tell you, you don't have to ask for $2 million. You could yeah. do 25,000, you could do 30,000, you could do 50,000, you could pull it together, like kind of what he said, but in your own way. So guys, friends and family is your best bet. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Until, it, it's such a weird circle. People are haters. When they see you driving a nice car, when they see you making money, they become jealous and want to know how you're making it and they want a piece of it. Then they'll come to throw money at you. They'll want to do deals with you because you're making it and they see you're making it. But then at that point, you don't need their money because you've made it, right? So it's a really weird cycle. If in the beginning, you're asking, raising money is the hardest thing to do. If you're asking people to give you money just off of your character, which is what it comes down to, your best bet is getting together all your friends and family and saying, I have this opportunity, be concise, do the numbers, uh, get your, um, you know, get your uh, after appraised value, uh, after construction appraised value, break it all down to them and say, guys, this is what I think, bring together all the comps, say this is what I'm buying it for, this is what our, my construction cost estimate is, do you guys wanna go on this journey with me? Right? You'd be surprised. Some people would be interested, but you have to be there with the information, not just a dream and a thought. No one wants to invest in that. Yeah. Well, you guys talked about forming an LLC. So if I form an LLC and I want to get money, but I have, or I want to go to an institution or a hard money lender, but I have no credit because the LLC doesn't have a credit history because I just formed it. What do you do there? So they don't really look to your LLC's credit history. Okay. They only do that if you're looking for non-recourse debt. 
right? If it's recourse debt, which most debt is, that means you're individually guaranteeing that debt, right. so they look to your credit history. Most people okay. don't borrow just against their LLC. That happened a lot, you know, pre-08. That doesn't really happen a lot now. Right. You can still do that if you're a very, very good, you're very bankable. People get those loans, but okay. you, you're, you guys are gonna be at a very different level at that point. And to, to add, mm -hmm. so the whole purpose of buying a flip or rental property in an LLC is that a hard money lender won't finance your personal name. Because if they finance a property mm -hmm. under your personal name, they go into the housing restrictions. So the, their loophole is they're lending to a business. They're not if lending they to don't pay, is what he's saying. If they don't pay, if you don't pay your mortgage, then you go into the foreclosure process, process which, could take, which could take 10 years, where if it's an LLC, they, they could just take it. Take it right back because there's no individual. You have no rights. They take the LLC and they take the company back. So the detailed answer to that actually is there's something called the Fair Foreclosure uh, Housing Act. Mm -hmm. And it's a law that was passed that gives people who are primary residents in their home specific rights and requirements of a foreclosure process. That only is for individual homeowners. But that goes out the window when you're an LLC. If you're, so they get because it's an investment property. It. It's right. not. It's not. And that's why most people will actually require you to have an LLC if you're going for non-institutional money because they don't want you to be. They're not going to lend to you on a house you want to live in. That it makes needs sense. to be. In a, you're going to sign an affidavit that you're not going to live there. That makes sense. Right. There's. There's. And the risk goes up, the rates will be higher, and the whole criteria is different. Okay, I want the truth. We're gonna do a, a truth here, right? I want you guys to, you know. No dare. <laughs> no dare, no dare, but a truth. Have you ever lost friends or family over doing deals, over money? I mean, think about Thanksgiving, right? You know, <laughs> have I, I, you... I have over making people money. Over making people money? Yeah. Have you? I've... Over investments. I've so we're talking about friends and family. I've had um, relationships that had issues for an extended period of time that had to be worked through, which I was able to overcome. But it did create some issues, and usually those issues were based on not having clear-cut expectations. Mm. So there was never any wrongdoing on either party. It was just what someone else's expectations were versus what mine were and not having a clear-cut definition. Omar? Um, I haven't. And part of the reason... <laughs> Omar's the golden boy. He's like, no, it's all perfect. No, it's, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but um, part of the reason is because before I get anyone involved, I'm neurotic with numbers. And not only that, but I'm asking the person to take a significant risk. If you're not ready to deliver, you shouldn't be asking people for their money. Because I just read a comment. And you, if you lose someone's money, it's not all fun, it's not all fun and games at that point. Right. You better find a way to pay that person back. And if you're not willing to take that responsibility to pay that individual back, you shouldn't be doing it. Well, well hold on. So if they're coming in, I, I disagree with that. If okay. they're coming in on a project with you, they should absorb the risk along with the reward. So I, I, it depends I agree with if it's that. a partnership or yeah. if it's a lend. So I would agree with that, but what exactly. if you're new and you don't have the track record, then they'll say, well, I'm investing in you, I'm taking this big risk. What are you doing in return for me? If, you, if your response is, well, if you lose your money, it's not my fault. Well, at the end of the day, I would highly recommend anyone raising money tells everyone that there's a risk. Because I would if, if not, guys, if not, here's my theory. Take it on as debt. So I had a couple deals um, back in the day, and I brought someone in on equity. They were making a killing. I no longer needed them on equity, right? So mm -hmm. I brought them in on debt because I was willing to back the money at that point, yeah. right? The reason our relationship out is the deal once the deal whole project went south, right? Over there, I had partners in it, right? The the profits were very very minimal, but it went past the one year we talked about in debt. I, right? Because at the end of the day, where I do agree is if you're taking on debt, you service that debt, stroke the checks, and all the payments were made. Okay. No, one year went back, there's an email, we have a contract, there's some work that needs to be done, this is going another four months, here's a check, I'm prepaying if you're cool with it, four more months at the prevailing interest previously assigned, right? Got it. Deal finished. At the end of the day, right, people get rude while you're not making them more money, right? And then they see, <laughs> and then they see you making money and they think, well, I want a piece of the profit. I want more. But they don't want the risk. Right. People right. don't want risk. Right. They want to give you money, you can lose their money and they want it back, but if you make them twice their money, they're not like, hey, you took on the risk and I got all the reward. Right. If people are coming in, guys, as as not debt, as coming in as equity, and you're 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 doing right and you're hustling, listen, there's a risk. Not every deal makes it, 
Everyone's taking a risk. No one's money is guaranteed. If you guys are going to guarantee people's money, then don't guarantee them the complete upside of the profits. Be fair. What's fair is fair. Agreed. Give Good them point. debt, sign a personal guarantee, and say, you will never lose on this deal no matter what. I will honor what you put in at this interest, but you will not make more than that amount. Okay. So you're right. So I, I kind of skipped over that important step that he mentioned. If you're taking on debt, you sh you can guarantee it. If you're bringing on an equity partner, the, the rules change. So I typically don't take on equity partners unless they're bringing in all the funding. Debt, debt is a better way to go initially. But you can use that as an incentive. So if someone doesn't want to lend you the money and you show them that you have a very profitable opportunity and then you offer them some type of equity or some type of profit sharing, that may flip them into being more interested in the property. Yeah, and initially when you begin, all of this stuff won't be clearly ironed out. You're gonna have to figure out what works for you and your friends or investors and then make it make it happen. Should I explore their mind let's, and talk about convertible talk, debt? Let's talk about, about, let's talk about Nathan, Nathaniel. Yeah. Well, let's, not on the flip, but. Let's talk to you, Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, I'm a young guy, 19, in college. I have funds laying around. Not a huge sum of money, give or take 20,000. Is there a place I can find an investment in real estate, in a real estate fund or property, et cetera? We all are going to have different opinions. <laughs> Why don't you start? So to me, what I read is you have 100,000. Right? I read 20K. <clears throat> sure. But I okay. see if you got 20K cash, that means you can borrow 100, right? Because that's 20%. So I read that you have 100,000. So when I see 20, I see 100. What can you do with 100,000 is the real question if you're doing a flip and it's in, in New Jersey, in this moment, not much. No. You have to go further out. We talked about Sussex, well, Sussex County, other areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, another state. Yeah, guys. Pennsylvania. We just there. talked the glory. Yeah. We didn't talk about, we didn't talk about what happens if for three months you don't have a tenant or they don't pay their rent right. and how your cap rate crashes. Right. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation what we should look back to I just thought of. But yeah. with 20K, honestly, I think the best thing you can do is look for a capital fund or something like that that has a minimum of a $25,000 investment, pool it together because the real money projects are the expensive ones that most people can't afford, yeah. right? <clears throat> so yes, however, if you're 19, and which is your, so adorable. Which is, which is young, I used to be 19. How about five dollars worth of Dogecoin? <laughs> so you have your whole life ahead of you at 19. Mm -hmm. And to go into something like that, it's it's very low risk. You're not really, the, the reward is not really that great. I'd almost rather you keep saving and look for an opportunity to, to, to turn over something, like a flip where you can generate more money and then you can use that to buy something bigger. Um, because when you're so young, having the opportunities there, knowing that if you lose that money, you can remake it, you, you, know, you're, you don't have to worry about risk as much. You can be more risky and take more opportunities. Um, so I would probably do that. Um, if I was 19 with 20,000, yeah. which is probably about the amount that I had at that age, I wouldn't look to invest in real estate at all. I would use it, use it as my reserves and use the money to learn about real estate because it's not enough to really get yourself into something that's substantial. So save, like I said. Yeah, and make save. Yeah. So I agree with that. I would not, once you have significant funds and you use that money to learn, you can attract other people's money if you know what you're doing. So can I ask, can I ask you another question? So if that's your theory, mm -hmm. save and wait till you have more, right? Sort of, but what I mean is increase your income producing ability so you can have more not necessarily save pennies. No, no, but it'll take to make that 20 into something larger, right? Mm -hmm. So you both agree on that. Uh, I didn't say he, like he could partner with someone and pool. So you could pool that, but the goal would be to get a larger chunk to do something else. Yeah. Perfect. Right. So what about the thought of, and mm -hmm. kind of merging what I said with what you guys said, taking that 20, because we just talked about leaving in the bank at 0.01%. Right, you don't want to do that. Money. You don't want to leave it in the bank. Find a capital source that you'll make even 10, 12% a year put it in that source for a short term period like a year and then still continue to save but at least that 20 grand is also making money itself it's not locked up a nice combination of build your but also don't let it sit around it's an option and find a source like what's your source well what's your what your your capital source what's the average rate of return it's at least 10% right 10%, um, 8% sometimes depending on the deal, level okay. of risk. So 8, 10%, guys, if that money's sitting in the bank, you're gonna get like $20 at the end of the year, at 8, 10% at Omar's capital yeah. group, you're gonna be stuck with, you're gonna get $1,800. So your 20 becomes almost 22,000, and you've done nothing. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of people like you who are looking to park their funds somewhere, and guess what, that's your OPM. OPM. 
other people's other money. money. Yeah. Um, what about Amanda? She's like, well, I have a family. I'm not 19. I'm assuming you're not 19, Amanda. You could be 19, but I have a family. We don't should, <laughs> should I get a, maybe you should get a multi-family home, live in one part with your family and rent out the other. Is that a good investment? Biggest regret of my life to date, I will say this. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's regrets, but if I have to think of one. Is it the biggest? In my opinion. Okay. Right? Well, what do you think it is? Buying your house early. In my, in my 20s, I bought a multi-million dollar house, right? And I don't believe in carrying debt on the home you live in, right? A lot of people will leverage the house they live in for investments. Everyone's talking about borrowing and buying new. Guys, that's great until someone stops paying rent. Because guess what? Once your cash flow stops, your mm. debt doesn't. That's right. a whole other conversation. And you never want to lose the house you live in. If I took the amount of equity I have and I put it into the market at that time, what it would be today would be ridiculous. Bill Gates. No. It, but it would be something that I would say, wow, I wish I did that. Your house will never, your house you live in will never appreciate in value at the rate your investments will appreciate in value. But it can be an investment for your heart and your family. So you still want to buy a house young, right? But it's, not the way to make depends. Not the way to make millions. So yet, not, so. not the multifamily and rent out. No, but no, 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 that's no, not no, a house. He's talking about a single yeah. family house. A single so family living. house. As far as buying a multi-unit and living in one, I would say that's the best way for the average person to build wealth in this country. So, so let's definitely. go back. Let's, okay. let's go back to Nathaniel. Nathaniel has twenty thousand uh dollars. -huh. Okay, you could buy a three-family house for what? Four hundred thousand dollars. In this somewhere? market. In like in um, like a, a smaller five. town. In this market, five six. All right, five hundred. What's three percent of five hundred? Fifteen grand. Right. So there's a product called an FHA loan. Uh -huh. You have to live in the house. So you could take yourself or your family, buy a three-family home, take an FHA loan product, which is 3% down. You have to live in the house for at least six months. You could move your family in there, rent the two other units, and voila, you just got your first investment property. As long as you can keep a renter in there. Well, yeah. well, it's, well if it's multi and it's a three-family, even if you lose one renter, yeah. you still yeah. have another. Okay. You have a contingency. A okay. single-family house is very risky. Because yeah. one renter is gone or not paying, no money. Okay. And that's your debt service goes from 12% to negative pretty pretty soon. Yeah. So Nathaniel, look into the FHA loan program. If you have the ability to, to do that, I don't know if you're ready to move out on your own or if your family's you know, currently renting and willing to move into something that you guys own as a family, that would be uh, a great avenue. Can, Amanda, can I ask you a question? Because your, your, your question was pretty pointed, right? He says, if you want to continue to be an investor, but you have a family, would you buy a family home or rent and continue to purchase investments? How old is your family? How old are your kids? And what are you looking for at that point in their lives to provide for them? Why don't you just give her the scenarios? If your kids are this age, she should do this. So if, if, if what if you actually, if your, Eric, if you your kids are babies, and we and we are, we're gonna have to wrap up. So in a all bit. right. So I think the younger you are and the younger your kids are, the more risk you can take. Right, if you're 40 and you have kids that are going into college, you need the right. money for college. So if you blow up your whole life, you're gonna be stuck, right? If you're you know, 19 and have no kids, if you're 22 and have no kids, if you're 30 and have a one-year-old, what does a one-year-old need? You have a couple years to figure it out. So if you do screw up something, you can rebuild. It, it really depends on what you need. You know, If you're used to driving a $1,500 Mercedes every month, and you can't go down to a $300 Toyota, then you have a problem, right? But in, so it really depends on what your risk tolerance is. So I would gauge your risk tolerance, understand that in order to be successful, you have to, to take risk. I would also say, guys, do you, want, do you want to provide a luxury lifestyle for your kid before they can even remember it? Mm. Or do you want to provide them their necessities when they can remember it? Because your two-year-old is not going to remember your marble foyer. Your three-year-old's not gonna remember it and you're gonna cover with a carpet anyway so they don't crack their head open, right? You're gonna be putting foam on everything so they're safe. Like, at the end of the day, when your kids are young, who cares? They're young, right? They're literally rolling in mud and peeing on trees. Well, so on, on that note, <laughs> on that note, we are going to, let's see, how does this work? It should have popped up on your guy's screen. Should Nima hold or sell his property? Should Nima hold or sell his property? Where's the pop-up? Let me see if I can find did it. Did you do a poll? I did a poll. How do I do the poll? Actually, guys, I didn't do the poll correctly, so I just want you guys to write. Oh, no. I didn't do the poll correctly. 
So I want you guys to write in your thing. Can we in, do it real quick right now? Yeah, no, do write in the in the comments. Should he hold or should he sell? <laughs> Everyone, right now, I should see a ton of people typing. We have keep. Well, I'm gonna sell. keep. A, I'm gonna keep a tally now. Let me tell me how many holds. So we sell. have hold, hold. Oh, everyone's saying hold. We only have two cells. Hold. Come on, guys. Hold. We have a third. We have four cells. The yeah, press you can't hold. vote twice. Everyone, everyone is saying hold. Everyone is saying hold. We have four sales and the rest are holds. Wait, can we vote two? Yeah. Go ahead. Sell. Sell. I yeah. like them, but maybe it's because I'm not experienced so like you guys. I like the hold. The reason we're saying sell is it's a single family property, yes. which we didn't cover, single versus multi. Okay. And because we do bigger stuff, and we know that he can do bigger stuff. If, if he was a first timer, or like a not in this world, we'd probably tell him to keep it. All right, so. Right? If he was a first timer, I would say to sell even more. I'm okay. letting you yeah. know that your audience and the deal that you made told you to sell. Okay, guys. Sold. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Oh. Told you to hold. <laughs> they told you to hold. Audience. They told you to hold. That was my bad. No, my I, bad. Have, I have. I have. No, Ooh, no. Sell. Hold, 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 hold. Two cells. Hold, hold. Another sale. Hold, hold, hold. What's boom? Boom is hold. Just ignore boom. We are going to have to pick up this conversation maybe next week. Um, and we will let you know on our Facebook page as well as our Instagram what next week's topic is. Thank you guys so much for being with us. And um, one last comment. Someone asked about the flip class that's coming up this month. Ah, flip. Go to www.recareercenter.com slash product slash flip. And you will be able to learn from this guy right here. Weekend, weekend class. We it's a weekend class. Oh, All right, we got to go. But thank you guys. And if you visualize it, you own it. Thank you. If you visualize it, you own it. Bye, guys.